interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Five, four, three, two, three, four, five. I'll just start the darn show. Hey, it's Coolio, if you don't know, and it is time for yet another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in Wendy, downtown Halifax. Well, I say Wendy, downtown Halifax, but honestly, half of the country has been windy today. Like, holy heck. I don't know what's going on there, but um, there you go. Um, fortunately, the wind seems to have died down, so uh, things are nice and calm, and we'll get some more... Uh, weather news and also some news in about half an hour's time but for now it is time to see what is new over at lowbiasgaming.net and there will be two weeks worth of stuff here since i was not here last week there is a heck of a lot of dragon warrior 7 fragments of the forgotten past uh let's see two four six eight ten thirteen fifteen videos have come out in the last two weeks. Uh, we also have some various um, seasonal stuff, so Halloween stuff. Uh, Jade Farrell with six episodes of Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Uh, Scarlet brings us a new Let's Play, God of War Ascension. Three episodes there, and another one of Book of Demons as well. Uh, Jade with 15 episodes of his stream series of Corpse Party, and at this point he's also playing the sequel to that game, which is not on the site yet, but there you go. Uh, he's also replayed Shadowgate, uh, with his last playthrough being from back in the days when he was doing text only, and um, since then YouTube has gotten rid of annotations, so, you know, that's a thing. Uh, Jade also brings us four episodes of Misao, uh, and Jason brings us uh, Let's Play a Vampire for the Sega Master System, which I believe is our first SMS game on the website. So um, yeah, a lot of stuff happening here as I adjust the mic slightly, I do apologize. But uh, yeah, uh, we also have uh, Blackthorn, Cool World, and Wario's Woods in the uh, 365 Days of the Super Nintendo, and our latest soundtrack is Mega Man 4. So a lot of stuff going on at lowbiasgaming.net. Why are you not there? Lowbiasgaming.net. A lot of sweet stuff, and we are going to talk about a little bit more of it in a couple of minutes. But first, it is time for music here on Square Wave Symphony, CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Here we go.
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That song was by Alistair Brimble, and it is the title theme of today's game from the archives. Enter the world of Dragon, a place where the martial arts legend Bruce Lee lived for 32 troublesome years. A place where you will encounter a multitude of the smartest and fiercest opponents ever to be seen in a console beat-em-up. At your disposal is a devastating array of over 35 different fighting moves. You will need them. Contains three different fighting styles, Mantis, Fighter, and Ninchaku. Many special secret moves to discover. And this is Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. It is a fighting game for the Super Nintendo, developed by Virgin Interactive, published by Claim and released in 1995. And it is not very good. Um, quite frankly, it, um, it just seems like it plays real clunky. It seems like there are some things that are not properly explained. And some of those things that are not properly explained are required to actually finish the game. So that's fun. In any case, um, for better or for worse, Ragnats played this as requested by Jason some time ago. It's a single video, so it's a pretty short watch. But um, yeah, it might be fun if you're into that sort of thing.
That was Trayson with Grit, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And uh, speaking of weird, it is time, of course, for the news of the weird. It might get a little spooky, too, especially since the lead story is called Spooktacular. But first, um, as usual, I do not read these stories ahead of time. Some of these may not jive well with all audiences, uh, but they are scanned for objectionable content beforehand. This segment is about 13 to 15 minutes long, so take that as you will. So, as I was saying, our lead story is spooktacular. Fans of Fright this Halloween may want to travel to Summertown, Tennessee to see if if they can become the first visitor to make it all the way through the haunted house experience called McCamey Manor. The rewards are compelling. Along with notoriety, a person who completes the tour will receive $20,000. But the demands are great too. Along with bringing a bag of dog food for owner Russ McCamey's dogs, you must be at least 21 years old, watch a two-hour video of other contestants failing, complete a a sports physical with a doctor's letter, pass a a background check, bring proof of medical insurance, sign a 40-page waiver, and pass a drug test. WFLA reports, McCamey doesn't allow cursing during the visit. If you utter a curse word, he'll subtract money from the $20,000 prize. But don't despair. McCamey does have a safe phrase for those who want to bail out. You really don't want to do this. You're right. We don't. You know what that reminds me of? There was a show called Panic Room. Um... It was kind of, they they got an idea of the contestants' worst fears and put them all in the same place. And if you could get through the entire thing, then you win whatever amount of money. I don't remember how, how much it was. If, if you want to bail out at any time, there is a panic button that was affixed to your chest. And it was up to you to say panic, panic, panic and press the button. So... It seems like kind of the same thing, um, except I don't know if the requirements are quite this intense, but yeah, they might be. Recent alarming headline, the San Diego Humane Society was summoned to a convenience, uh, convenience store parking lot in Del Mar, California on October 8th after law enforcement officers responded to calls of concern about a van parked there near one of San Diego's toniest neighborhoods. Officers found a woman living in the van with more than 300 pet rats. Humane Society Captain uh, Danny Cook, not to be confused with Dane Cook, who is probably not very humane at all, told the, yes, that was kind of a burn, deal with it, told the San Diego Union Tribune, this was not a cruelty case, this was a relinquishment. The unidentified owner said that she had started out with two pet rats, but the situation had gotten out of control and she agreed to surrender all of them, many of which were juveniles or pregnant. Officers spent several days tearing the van apart and recovered 320 animals, about half of which were put up for adoption. Meanwhile, the woman has found a place uh, to live with the help of a GoFundMe page. Uh, Here's hoping that DJ Slopes 
doesn't um, have to report on that because yeah, some some things happen. Uh, next story: the name game. Coolia, uh, coolia, babulia, banana, fan No, that, not that name game. You probably thought that Tupac Shakur died in 1996 in Las Vegas. Little did you know there's another Tupac A. Shakur walking the streets or pacing the, jail, sh uh, the jail, jail cells of Washington County, Tennessee. Shakur, 40, was arrested on, on October 19th after he threatened Johnson City police officers with a knife, Fox News reported. Police were able to wrestle Shakur to the ground. They also found a syringe and bags of methamphetamine and charged him with aggravating assault, resisting arrest, and simple possession of meth and unlawful drug paraphernalia. It is unclear whether Shakur's name was his, was his from birth or whether he changed it to match the rapper's. Anything is possible in this world, is all I can say. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I had something else there, but I guess not. Unclear on the concept, Andrew Blackwell, th uh, 25, has his, has his sights set on a particular home in Salt Lake City, Utah, and apparently will stop at nothing to make it his own. Since late August, Blackwell, a neighbor of the property, has been repeatedly entering the home, according to court papers, even after being told by police that he does not have authority to do so. He has been doing work around the house, including removing trees and shrubbery, installing new locks, and telling other neighbors he had bought the house. Blackwell told police he offered the elderly, uh, the elderly owner of the home who lives elsewhere, ninety thousand dollars for a property which has a market value of three hundred and sixty-three thousand dollars. Court documents state that after the owner, excuse me, that after the owner refused the offer, he told her he would quote forge any document needed to get the property from her, according to KUTV. Finally, on October 18th, police issued a warrant for Blackwell's arrest on charges of bur uh, burglary, forgery, stalking, theft, three counts of criminal trespassing, and criminal mischief. Um, the term Yandere comes to mind, and I don't know if that's the correct term, but it comes to mind. Questionable judgment is what some people have, such as Andrew Blackwell. Let's see who else. On-air reporter Angel Cardenas with KMAX TV in San, uh, Sacramento, California was fired on October 21st after a bizarre incident at the Sacramento International Auto Show the day before. During a broadcast before the show opened, Cardenas climbed on at least two of the privately owned show cars and dinged another when he opened a door against it. No one is out here to tell me which car I can't go in, so I'm just gonna live on the wild side, he told viewers before posing atop a Ford Thunderbird. I feel like a kid in a candy store, he said according to Fox News. The, pr the producer of the auto show contacted the general manager of the TV station and was told Card uh, Cardenas had been terminated. Like he'd been terminated before getting there? Or like... I don't know. He seems to be a little off his rocker, so... um, You know. 
Here, here have an overreaction for you guys. Truck driver Cesar Schmitz of Ineas Marquez, Brazil, was just trying to make his wife happy when he launched an effort to get to rid their backyard of cockroaches. She begged me to destroy the, uh, their nest under the ground once and for all, Schmitz 48 explained. After chemicals failed to do the job, the Daily Mail reported, Schmitz decided setting fire to the hole would work. Let's see where this is going. So on, on October 18th, he poured a capful of gasoline into the hole and tossed in a lighted match. After a couple of misfires uh, caught on his home security camera, a match landed and Schmitz and his dogs are seen ducking for cover as the resulting explosion sends turf and lawn furniture flying through the air. The gasoline itself had ignited, but it had also set off the highly combustible methane from the bug's venom that had accumulated in an air pocket under the grass. I wish I'd thought this through, Schmitz said. He admitted it, it made a huge mess, but said, ultimately, his scheme was a success. The cockroaches are gone. I'm not sure that this is a case of the ends justify the means. Fire is not always the answer. Remember that, listeners. Our next story, wait, what? 20-year-old Cody Christopher Meter of St. Petersburg, Florida, entered a Pinellas Park Target store on October 22nd. Some might say Target, but I'm not one of those people. Where he sought a large Olaf stuffed doll from the Disney movie Frozen, the smoking gun reported. Smoking gun. Is that like some sort of cowboy code name or something? Anyway. Meter placed the doll on the floor and climbed on to have his way with poor Olaf, according to the criminal complaint. After finishing, he returned the character to the shelf and proceeded to the toy department where he, quote, selected a large unicorn stuffed animal and repeated his offensive behavior. Meter was detained in the store and later charged with criminal mischief. Meter's father told police that his son, quote, Def has a history of this type of behavior. That's exactly how it's written. Meter posted bond and was released from custody. Let's just move on, shall we? Let's just move right on to the inexplicable. Perhaps even more inexplicable than what just happened. Stacy Wagers, 45, of Tampa, Florida, is suing the Don Cesar Hotel in St. Pete Beach over an incident that happened in November 2018. She and a friend were celebrating her birthday at the hotel's Maritana Grill when they observed a waiter pouring a liquid over a nearby table's dessert that made it, quote, smoke. They commented to the waiter that the effect was cool and he poured liquid nitrogen into their glass, into their water glasses, which they then drank. Of course, I didn't think it was dangerous at all, what wagers told NBC News. He had just poured it on a, de on a dessert. But the lawsuit filed October 11th said wagers immediately fell ill, eventually having to have her gallbladder and parts of her stomach removed where the chemical had burned the tissue. Her attorney says she will have lifelong digestion issues. Yeah, I mean, 
if it's weird chemicals that make the food smoke, then maybe don't consume it. Just, just a thought there. Also, why are, why were they using it on the dessert? That doesn't seem any better at all. Maybe because the dessert is a solid, and uh, I don't know. This is just a bad idea from top to bottom, and yeah. People do strange things. And our final story for today, the least competent criminal of the week, a quick-thinking quick employee of a Boost mobile store in Philadelphia helped police catch a thief on October 22nd. According to CBS3, the employee was in the store alone when a 19-year-old man entered, pulled a gun, and demanded money. Can you wait a few minutes? The employee responded, I give you money. I have another employee outside, and he took the key, but after that I give you, he explained. The robber agreed, and the employee left the store, locking the door from the outside and trapping the criminal inside until a SWAT team arrived. The frustrated suspect shot his gun through the glass door, but no one was hurt. It's a very cooperative, um, very cooperative criminal there. But uh, as I always say, if you're going to do something bad, do it right. But then again, don't do something bad to begin with. Anyway, with that, I believe it is time to review the weather for the moment. Um, there was a wind warning in effect. That appears to be gone now, so that's all good. It is currently 14 degrees here in Halifax and partly cloudy skies. Uh, wind southwest 50 gusting to 70 becoming west 30 gusting to 50 near midnight and a low of plus 4. Saturday, November 2nd, sunny skies and wind northwest 20 kilometers becoming light in the morning, high of 9, UV index of 3 or moderate. And at night, clear skies, increasing cloudiness after midnight, then 6% chance of showers overnight, a low of 6 except plus 2 inland. Sunday, November 3rd, periods of rain and a high of 12, going down to a low of 2 and cloudy periods at night. Monday, November 4th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 8, going down to a low of 5 and clear skies at night. Tuesday, November 5th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of 12, going down to a low of 9 and 6% chance of showers at night. Uh, Wednesday, November 6th, a uh, 12 degrees and showers and going down to plus 1 and... Uh, cloudy periods at night, and Thursday, November 7th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 6 degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and let us get some music going, shall we? Thank you. 
that was Jarvis9999 with Funky Hour, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and it is time for gaming next month. Well, technically gaming this month, but it is actually the first day of November, which means it's not really too late to look at the game releases for November of 2019. Starting with November 5th, we have four releases coming out, starting with uh, Just Dance for the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, Stadia, and the Wii. The only game still being produced for the Wii uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, Tokyo 2020 coming out on the Switch on November 5th, as well as Planet Zoo for the PC and Red Dead Redemption 2 also for the PC. November 7th, we have Garfield Kart Furious Racing. Wow, okay. Uh, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Uh, November 8th, we have one, two, three, four, five new games coming out. We have Death Stranding for the PlayStation 4, Disney Tum Tum Festival for the Switch, Layton's Mystery Journey, Catriel, and the Millionaire's Conspiracy Deluxe Edition. That's a mouthful. That's for the Switch. Need for Speed Heat is coming out for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And New Super Lucky's Tale for the Switch. That's all November 8th. November 11th, we have Romancing Saga 3 coming out for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, Vita, and PC. Um, Age of Empires is coming out on November 14th for the PC, and on the same day, Stormland is coming out on the Oculus Rift. November 15th is a big day as well. Five releases there, too. Well, technically, two of them are the same game. Astroneer for the PlayStation 4. Jumanji the video game for the PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And Pokemon Sword and Shield. I'm sure a lot of people are excited about that one. That's coming out on November 15th for the Switch. Uh, Shenmue 3 is coming out on November 19th for the PS, uh, PS4 and PC. Finally, on November 22nd, we have Civilization 4 coming out on the PS4 and Xbox One, and Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So there it is, and there you go. Uh, those are the video game releases scheduled for November. Of course, this list can change at any time, and if it does, we'll check out GameInformer.com slash 2019. That's where the information comes from. And uh, you will be able to get an up-to-date list of what is coming up in the near future. So, yeah, that is it for gaming next month. And uh, time for some more music. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
That was Rai the Lucario with Looking Ahead But Remembering What You Left Behind. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Alright, we're going to go a little bit off the beaten path here. Usually I write out my things, but this time we're going to try to do it just kind of on the go here. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Tetris. And I'm sure I don't need to explain to you guys what Tetris is. But um, it is a puzzle game designed by Alexei Pahitnov. Um, originally for the uh, Electronica Shestasiat. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And um, released in 1985. That is how old Tetris is. Um, but yeah. It's a pretty simple game. But yet it has survived all of these years. And is probably the most popular puzzle game that is out there right now. But... Um, there is a, uh, a Tetris wiki. There's a wiki for everything, right? There is a Tetris wiki, and there are a lot of games here. And a lot of these, a uh, little iffy on the details about whether or not they're actually licensed or not. Um, but yeah. So yeah, the original uh, Tetris, of course, was made by Alexey Pahitnov. Uh, Pajitnov, or... I don't know how it's pronounced, I'm sorry. I'm a bad Tetris person. But, um... It was then ported in 1986 to the Apple II, the IBM PC, ZX Spectrum, and eventually started getting ported all over the place. Um... One of the most notable people to get a license for um, for Tetris is Hank Rogers. Um, he owned a company called Bulletproof Software, which is a company uh, that was dealing mainly with Japanese games. Uh, and one day he got the license for Tetris. Although, there was some contention, I believe, as to whether some of the games were properly licensed. Like, I think that there is one game, at the very least, that I can't remember which one it is, and I should probably have made a note of it, that um, they got the Tetris license through Nintendo, and not through Electronic Technica, or also known as Elorg. Um... And that was kind of not the way to go. So, eh, you know. In any case, there have been a lot of Tetris games, is what I'm trying to say. At one point, it became so overwhelming. And so many people were, at, were claiming to have a proper Tetris license. But where did they get that Tetris license from? Did they get it from Elor? Did they get it from Nintendo? Were they, were they just pretending to have a license? And who knows? So in 1996, Hank Rogers and Alexei Pajitnov 
decided to found a company, the Tetris Company, that would thereafter solidly own and license Tetris rights through Elorg. So since that point, in order to get an, in order to get that seal of approval, you had to get your license through the Tetris company. And a few years later, uh, specifically, as far as we know, in 2001, they came out with a thing called the Tetris Guideline. And the Tetris guideline is basically a way to ensure that your company is serious about making this Tetris game. Your company is willing to make it uniform with other Tetris games, which is why a lot of the Tetris games that you will see will look and feel pretty samey. Um, is because they have to follow the Tetris guideline, you see. So what's in this Tetris guideline? Well, normally it's a document that's meant to be uh, confidential that is sent to a company um, for them to implement, uh, but there is a leaked version on the um, Tetris wiki from 2009. Now there might be a more recent version of this at this point, we don't know, and it's probably confidential if it exists. But um, here are some of the things that we can expect to see in a Tetris game that might not have been in earlier games. Actually, before I do that, let's look at the, the Tetris game, the original Tetris game from Nintendo. Actually, that's not the first Tetris game that was out on the Nintendo. Bulletproof Software actually did uh, make a Tetris game beforehand, but that one was kind of weird. Um, instead of pressing A to rotate, you press down. Instead of pressing down to drop, uh, to soft drop, you press A to hard drop, and there is no soft drop. And the difference, of course, soft drop is making it go down faster, hard drop is just making it slam right down onto the ground. Honestly, for some reason, I kind of enjoyed that one. It was weird, but I liked it. So, there you go. Um, but that was the one by Bulletproof Software. Most people will be more familiar with the one that was released by Nintendo. Uh, which... Definitely doesn't fit the, um, the Tetris guideline nowadays. There are things called, let's say, well, the, there are things called the DAS, which is the delayed auto shift or auto repeat. Um, so how fast a, um, the terminal will go left or right when you hold down the button. There is the ARE, which is um, appearance entry delay or appearance... I don't know why it's called ARE. It's the Entry Delay, Appearance Delay, or Spawn Delay, whatever you want to call it, ARE. Um, it is how much time there, uh, how many frames there are between the last Tetramino locking down and the next one showing up. And also the, um, 
I know there's a term for the town, uh, the the time that it takes to lock down, but I'm not seeing it offhand. Um, but yeah, let's go over some of these and see what uh, what is up with them. So first of all, the standard playfield size for a uh, Tetris game, most would probably think it's 10 wide by 20 tall, right? Well, no. We only see the bottom 20 rows, but there are actually 40 rows in a Tetris well. Uh, the reason why there are 40 rows in a Tetris well and um, you can only see 20 is, well, as you know, there, uh, once you get over that line of 20, the game is over. But in a competitive game where the other player is working to make lines to send garbage lines your way, if the stack should somehow push, um, if there's one column that pushes up higher than 40 columns, which is extremely unlikely but could happen, that's also a game over, even if you could still play otherwise. So that's kind of an interesting thing. It never really comes up, but it is an interesting thing to think about. Uh, Tetrimino colors are as follows. I, uh, the eyepiece, which by the way, these names are also standard. The eyepiece is cyan. The O piece is yellow. The T piece is purple. The S piece is green. The Z piece is red. The J piece is blue. And the orange piece is, uh, the L piece is orange. So yeah, it's kind of an interesting sort of standard going on there too where a lot of people who played Tetris back in the early days might remember the eyepiece actually being red. Well, that has kind of changed since that time. Uh, to terminal start locations, so obviously um, every piece will start in the middle. And there's also a uh, in the guideline a note that every Tetrimino should come down flat side first. So especially uh, prevalent with the J, L, and T pieces. Um, yeah, they, they always must come flat side down. Um, initial rotation and movement. So there is a super rotation system or also known as standard rotation system. Uh, that is a thing. And I have tried to implement that in um, a personal project of mine at one point back in the day. But I don't know if I was reading this wrong because there's a, there's a pretty um, detailed outline of how this works. And I don't know if I was doing it wrong or what, but it wasn't working. So, oh well. Uh, there is listing for standard mappings, so key mappings for consoles, handheld gamepads, computer keyboards, even cell phones and remotes. So all those Tetris games, they, they have thought of the Tetris games that might end up on TV systems, like set-top boxes and stuff. 
Um, randomization is done through something called the seven bag random generator, also called the random bag or seven system, which is simply to say you get one of each piece, you get one of each determino, and they are shuffled around. So you get them in a random order, but you always get all seven of them before you get another set of seven, which kind of harkens back to the days where you actually had counters that said like you've gotten uh, so many S pieces and so many I pieces and so many O pieces. Well, you don't have that anymore because they would all pretty much be the same number or within one of each other. So that does kind of make the game a little more predictable and a little easier, but um, they might see it as more fun, I guess. Well, anyway, hold piece is actually part of the Tetris guideline. Um, you must have a hold piece, uh, which can be accessed by pressing a special button on a controller, except if you don't have enough buttons on the controller. Like, for instance, there is a Tetris game for the iPod that came out where the hold piece thing was exempt because there was not an available control for it. But uh, the idea between the um, hold piece and the random generator is basically it allows the player to play forever. A player who is very much experienced with the game who can think, you know, five moves ahead, can potentially just keep playing forever. Provided, of course, they can keep up with the speed, because it does get to the point where, you know, speed is basically infinite. Like, as soon as a Tetrimno comes onto the field, it's already on the ground. Anyway, there's a lot more to this, but I am running out of time, so I'm going to have to cut to some music. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax.
And that last one was, where is it? See You Starside by Multipolyphony. And that does end it for today. So I hope that you enjoyed today's show. I certainly enjoyed making it for you. And uh, yeah, time to sign off. But uh, before I go, do remember to set your clocks back because it is that time of year. Um, so yeah, tomorrow night, uh, two, well, technically on Sunday early morning at 2 a.m. is when uh, clocks are to be set back to signal the end of daylight saving time. And it's just, I don't understand this whole daylight saving time thing personally, but you gotta do it. So I guess you gotta do it. Anyway. Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Gaming Next Month is powered by Game Informer, gameinformer.com. Segment music composed by myself, Anamu Namiki, Noriki Kimikura, Twilight of Defects, Sean Daly, Gigan Deck 10, Commissar. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by The Witching Hour at 7 p.m. and The Vinyl Factory at 8.30. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version of the show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or just search for a square wave symphony, square waves, one word, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio, or whatever app you prefer. It's probably there but not Spotify. So, you know. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time. Oh, 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 oh,